The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Herbie's Cooking Corner for September 6, 2022. We've got a very special guest with us today. But first of all, I want to welcome my co-facilitator, as always, Twinkling Tori. Hello, Herbie, and well done for remembering the date again. Well, I'm at my computer, so I got to cheat. I could look as I was talking. And they've now made it easier in iOS 16 as well, but that's a whole nother discussion. All right, guys, so a couple things. First of all, we are now being streamed in Clubhouse, and I want to uh, thank Brad for doing that today. So thank you, Brad, and thank you, Deb, as always, for streaming. Angela is our host in Zoom. Diane is our host in Clubhouse. When we take questions, we are going to alternate between the two. So... Um, this is our first time really doing this in the ACB club. So if there's any rough patches, we apologize ahead of time, but we're getting it working and, uh, there you go. So today we're going to interview somebody or really let her talk. She has an experience, both her and my co-host will have that I will never have. If I do, it would be the opposite way around. And that is, what is it like to lose your sight later on in life and still be a cook? Because I have been blind since birth, so I had to learn always as a blind person on how to cook. But Dorlin, she was completely sighted and then lost her sight later on in life, and so she had to uh, transition from from one way to another and she's here to talk about that this morning good uh, day there uh, dorlin good morning herbie thanks for good having morning, me dorlin. good morning tori we are definitely glad to have you aboard so um with that um dorlin is going to talk tori is going to jump in as uh, she'll have some comparisons of her own to make and then we will create breaks and we will take uh, questions and go from there. So if you raise your hand, you will have to wait just so you know, but you can definitely get them in the air if a question strikes you ahead of time, but uh, just so you know how things work. And um, I'm hoping Callie is here as well because she had a very interesting question for us. And I do want to get to that later on because she helped inspire a call idea. So, but with that, I'm going to turn things over to Dorlin and, uh, Dorlin, um, well, start by, uh, I guess, giving us an introduction for, uh, those who don't know you. Sure. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Dorlin and I, uh, part of the ACB community here, I actually help to facilitate a few of the Braille calls. So some of you may know me from that. Uh, But I lost my sight about eight years ago after having sight for uh, about 28 years. And so with everything, um, cooking was just the same. You just had to relearn it and everything was kind of done a little bit differently. So I figured I'd just kind of go through my story of being a sighted cook and then talk about the transition a little bit. And like you said, um, if Tori or you want to stop me along the way for questions or comments, that'd be great. Um, So 
let's see, like I said, I lost my sight eight years ago and it was to diabetic retinopathy. Actually, I've been a type one diabetic since I was 12. And um, that actually ties in quite a bit with my cooking journey, especially how I try to cook today and take care of uh, my nutritional needs as to take care of the diabetes better. Since it was not taking care of the diabetes well, that actually led to the damage in my eyes and the sight loss. Uh, Let's see, I was never a big cook as in cooking dinners or savory type foods, but I always loved to bake something I did with uh, my friends growing up. And as I went off to college, continued doing it there. And as I worked, would actually bring in baked goods for people's birthdays and stuff like that. Always really enjoyed that, which is maybe not the best thing to enjoy for a diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I bet they were good. Yes, yummy. It's great. If you make it for someone else, you can have just a little bit for yourself. (laughs) Um, Let's see, in college, I maybe got a good hang of grilled cheese skills, but not much more than that. And then after college, I actually ended up working in restaurants, Um, not in the back of the house doing food um, preparation so much, but I did work in one restaurant where I was a manager and we had to do um, prep for the sauces at the, before the shift began. And so I definitely got some good knife skills there. Um, and just kind of, uh, food handling, uh, skills. And it actually taken some food handling classes, but I certainly didn't cook much for myself then, you know, once you've waited on someone else, you don't really want to go home and cook for yourself to, pick up some takeout or something. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, but then I'll, so, catch everybody, I'll catch everybody up on mine to that point. Okay, um, great. If you don't mind. So I have congenital uh, congenital glaucoma. So I always knew at some point I would lose my sight, but I never, I managed to keep it until I was 23. And I was taught to cook and bake by my nan and a little bit by my mom, but mostly my nan when I was um, quite relatively young. By the age of 12, I could do free course meals type of idea. Um, But it was all done with sight based on sighted rules um, because they're sighted and I was at at that point. So I was cooking meals um, well before I was even um, well before most of my peers were even in the kitchen helping out Um, and kept that up right after I left home and everything not going to say that everything I cooked was healthy because I do have a tendency to lean towards baking um, but I could cook pretty much anything I wanted to um, and had the sight to do it up until I was 23. So I lost my sight about 15 years ago. All right. Wow. That's so interesting, Tarek. <laughs> the three meal or three course meal blows me away. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So should I um, continue then into the yes, next? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So then um, I did lose my sight uh, due to the diabetic retinopathy um, and during that, uh, the initial couple of months as I was losing it, I went out to uh, stay with my sister and her soon-to-be husband in Oregon. 
and um, actually had some uh, surgeries done out there, but that was where my site really, that was the end of it in the beginning of the transition. Um, and going out there, they actually were at the time doing the paleo diet. And so it, I changed lifestyles completely. You know, I went from eating kind of whatever was easiest or whatever I wanted to having removed goodness, everything. It was just like soy and wheat and dairy and just all the things were gone. Um, and we did a bit of an elimination diet and then started adding things back in. And so my sight loss also came with just a major lifestyle change and change in what I was eating, especially at the beginning. Now I eat a lot more things, but then we really restricted it. Um, but when I first started staying with them, um, they would do everything for me. They would cook and, you know, Oregon was a, a little bit cooler and damper than I was used to. And I was drinking a lot of tea. Um, and they would make every cup for me, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm going to make a cup. Oh, no, 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 we'll get it for you, you know, and uh, that was fine at first, but I definitely started feeling a little bit cramped and wanted to do things for myself as much as there were some Smothered. things I, sorry, what was that? Smothered. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the same thing. Literally, even getting like a glass of water or whatever, like, oh, I'll do it. Yeah, that's it exactly. Mm -hmm. And you finally just you know get to the point, the breaking point where it's like, no, no, I need to learn how to do this myself. Yeah, yeah. And so that for me, it was the tea thing. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. I can. I know I can turn on a kettle and you know pouring into the cup. I still had a little bit of sight, so that helped. I think I only half filled mini cups and later learned about the wonderful water water level indicators. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> oh, it's my most used tool in the kitchen, I think. I love them. Interesting. I actually can't stand them, but uh... Yes, but when they give you the ability to make yourself a cup of tea again. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm, without burning your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you definitely. You have to learn bravery, I will say that. Um Mm -hmm. Tony, what was your breaking point, if you don't uh, mind me asking? Um, you said enough was enough. Well, I mean, tea, tea was the first thing I did by myself. But um, with, when my sight was seriously starting to deteriorate, and then when I lost the last of it, I had literally everybody's like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And it, in the beginning, it was nice to be able to let other people do the work. And then it started to get irritating because I just I just wanted a drink or, you know, I, I wanted to be able to have something to eat when I wanted something to eat, not when somebody gets a minute to make it for me. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, I was I was um, hungry. And um, so I wanted to, I wanted to do toast. Um, but I didn't just want to just stick the toast in the toaster and butter it. I wanted something on the toast, you know, Um and um, it was, oh, I'll do it in a minute. I'll do it in a minute. And I, so I was like, no, I, I'm doing it because I want it now. I'm not waiting for in a minute, especially since in Wales, in a minute can be anything from a minute to about half an hour. <laughs> um, so I just 
Uh, I don't think it's just Wales. You know, my mom who lives in the UK, it's the exact same way with her for some, I don't know why. Yeah, it seems to be a UK thing, but the Welsh are even more common for doing it. Um, we we have a running joke in our family. Is, is it an English minute or a Welsh minute? If it's an English one, you know it's definitely happening within that half an hour. If it's a Welsh one, good luck. Um, last, right, uh, there was uh, there was actually a situation where somebody said, "Call you back in a minute," and called back three days later. So. <laughs> So I just, I wanted toast and I wanted it now. So I made some. All right. And Dorlan, how did you uh, assert your independence in the end? You know, I think it was just about one of those cups of tea being like, I'm going to, no, I'm going to make this. I can do this. And then I think in that assertion, I can't remember exactly, but I, there was definitely an understanding that, um, my sister and her husband kind of started to get where it was like, okay, you know, need to help her learn to do the things or let her do the things she wants to do. And it took such a weight off of them too, I think, because they thought that I, they needed to do those things. Um, So I remember early on, we started, you know, like I'd get up before them and make the pancake batter. And of course we were paleo. So it was coconut flour pancake batter. Um, And then they'd get up and they actually would cook them. And so it was kind of a joint effort at first. And then I started getting a little bit bolder and would start, uh, you know, sauteing things and cooking and using the the oven uh, more, especially for the things that didn't need to look or be flipped, you know, like the pancakes. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, But I think it was a really good, like, first experience of having to stand up to your friends or your family after losing sight. That was the hardest part, really. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to find your voice again, I think. Yeah. I would imagine so. And, yeah, this is one of the advantages when you can do things for yourself. I mean, all joking aside about how long a minute is. You know, when you're relying on other people, sometimes you have to go at their pace. If you ride paratransit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, Mm -hmm. um... And, you know, I really find it fascinating that, you know, you both come from completely different cultures, and the one common factor is tea. So there you go. Uh, That's wonderful. From an American, I would have expected coffee instead, but that's okay. Um, Are you two ready to see if we have any questions? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if we've got any questions to this one. All right, so raise those hands in the air if you have any questions for our uh, panel here today. And um, let's start over in, uh, you know what, let's do our nog reel. Uh, uh, I can't say it right. Anyway, let's start over in Clubhouse. Do we have anybody there as we welcome in Diane? The word you're looking for is in reel. Yes. I... Not up on stage yet. Yes, we so do. Can we come back? Oh, we do have okay. one. Sorry. I just brought her up. Um, let's see who else. Yes, we do. And the other voice you're hearing, by the way, real quick, guys, on your left is Kayla, who will be with us next week. So um, we'll let her talk about that in a little bit. All right. Sorry, Diane. Okay. Um, we do have. Sorry, I'm a little slow. Okay. We well, if you just have, have one up for now, you can just tell us the one for now, and we'll come back. To yes, you we've got. I have, I have two. Um, do you want me to? Do you want to just have one of them, or no? We'll, well do let's both. start with the first one. 
Yeah, okay, good. first is um, Jeanette Kutash. Jeanette, welcome. Hello, good Jeanette. morning. You're learning to moderate, and I'm learning to do Clubhouse, so I understand. <laughs> <clears throat> so my question, first of all, I want to tell both of you that whether you're totally blind and have been forever or whether you've lost your vision, you still at some level have to go through those family no, you need to let me do it myself. And believe me, even though I wasn't afraid to try, I had to go through them as well. So that's not my question. My question is, because you were sighted previously, Dorlin, and you understood how things looked and what, you know, what looked appetizing and what looked pleasing, when you first started to learn to cook, were you ever worried about how the techniques you used would be uncomfortable for sighted people and how did you deal with it? And let me just tell you that there are certain things, even though I'm comfortable in my own skin cooking, that I will not let a sighted person see me do because I know they would say they could do it better. Mm. Hmm. Well... Um, you know, I think, uh, I definitely, even as having been a sighted person too, I had to get over some of that, you know, I really, it was, took me a little bit to embrace that my hands were my new set of eyes and that, you know, the techniques that I'd been taught where I could measure things using my eyes and keeping my hands off of just using utensils and stuff, I had to, now I needed to touch and, you know, which meant I had to get into the habit of just com constantly washing my hands. Of course, I always washed my hands and had good kitchen hygiene. I think the food safety handling helped with that in the restaurant. But definitely, it was something where, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I've really been in a position to have too many sighted folks watch me cook, but it's definitely something where um, I had to get over it myself and also know that there's so much of it. If you are touching with your hands, if it's going to be cooked afterwards, it's getting cooked and um, other things like frosting a cake, maybe, you know, <laughs> you, you're just trying to make sure you don't get the fingerprints on that and make it look well, as nice as it can without having to actually touch it to see how it looks. And my follow-up question real quick is, do you think that having had sight previously helps you with some of those harder tasks like frosting a cake? Yeah, I do. I think having the kind of blueprints in my head for the way a lot of different tasks should go has helped me along the way. I think sometimes it hinders me, though, because it's like the way you need to do things are just so different when you're cooking blind as opposed to sighted that, you know, like thinking, oh, I need this to look this way is not like, you know, chicken, for instance, you know, um, I think that was one thing I had to get over. Like, have, like, I knew how it should look on the inside, but that wasn't helpful to me anymore. I had to learn new techniques like pushing on it or just making, using it meat thermometer or, or being very cautious about how long I cook it. I do overcook chicken though. <laughs> Better to result. overcook it than undercook it. It is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, go to the next hand. Yep. I was going to answer um, Jeanette's questions. Um, so I hate having sighted people observing me in the kitchen. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable um, because I feel like they're judging how I'm doing things to the point that if I'm doing stuff in the kitchen and my husband is in there doing stuff, if he's even up the same end of the kitchen as me, I tell him to go away. Um, I just can't cope with it because I know he doesn't judge how I do it. He understands that I have to do things differently. But to me, it feels as though because I'm not using the same techniques I was taught when I had sight, that I'm doing it wrong. And even though this is my way of dealing with the comp with compensating for the lack of sight, I feel like any sighted person who watches me is judging how I'm doing it. Hmm. All right. Yep. <clears throat> oh, very good. Okay. Do we, how many more do we have in Clubhouse? Uh, we have one. One. And I see that we just have one in Zoom. So why don't we do one-on-one? -on -one? So let's zoom on over to Zoom and then we will come back to Clubhouse. So let's welcome in Angela, our Zoom host, okay. and uh, tell us who we've got. All right. I... Do not see a hand up. So okay. We don't I have any. I... Oh, okay. Oh, she's on. They're unmuted. Okay, I do apologize. That's why I got confused. I was looking at the uh, order list. All right. Well, then let's go back over to Clubhouse. Okay, in Clubhouse, we have Callie. All right, Callie, and I got something to talk to you. And I know you've got some questions for us, and <laughs> I got something to say to you too. So go ahead, Callie. Hi, good afternoon and enjoying this call. Um, I lost my vision late in life. I had vision up until Friday, April 3rd, 2020, when I suffered a retinal detachment at 57. Um, I live by myself, so there were no, I didn't have the same issues you guys had with family members wanting to do things for you and mothering you guys. I basically had to figure out how to do things um, on my own. And um, Previously, I was a love coffee, you know, I was working up until that day, up until that Friday. And on my way into work, one of my habits was stopping by Starbucks or Dunkin' for that cup of java in the morning. Um, mm -hmm. I never owned a coffee maker because, like I said, I it was part of my ritual going to work. But now that I've lost my vision, I've, I've gravitated towards tea because I can just put my mug in the microwave for two minutes, heat up the hot water and dip my tea bag in. But I haven't figured out a way to do coffee. Um, it's, it's just me, so it's just one single person. So I don't want like a 24 cup, you know, coffee maker or anything like that. So I'm just wondering if you guys are coffee drinkers at all. And if so, how do you make coffee? Do you do a coffee maker? Do you do a Keurig? Do you percolate? I'm just looking for advice on how to navigate that particular situation. All right. Well, I do have some things to say on this one. Before I defer to my panel, I just want to let you know that, Callie, you inspired a call yesterday. So next month, we are going to devote a cooking corner call completely to making coffee, tea, and I think we'll talk about hot cocoa as well, you know, hot chocolate as well. So yeah, congratulations. Yay. <laughs> so that'll be in October there, Callie. So you inspired us. So 
that's where, you know, guys, your questions are October super important. 18th. What? 18th. That's the 18th. Yep. Tor- Tori's more organized in these things than I am, actually. I, I got to tell you, she's a wonderful co-facilitator. If you need a I co-facilitator for your dates call. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> if you need a one, if you need a co-facilitator for your call to keep you organized, contact Twinkling Tori. She just might be able to help. Anyway, um maybe 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 anyway but i'm gonna defer to my panel now and let them give their experiences and then i will talk at the end of this one Alrighty. well i am quite a coffee drinker and even though we started out with tea that was kind of because of the elimination diet i was on at that point and we eventually got back to coffee um i started with a french press like a single serve French press, you can get those and you can hang your um, water level indicator over the side of that and fill it up. But French presses, I mean, I've moved away from them because they're such, they can be such a pain to clean, um, getting those grounds into the, the, um, either the compost or the trash afterwards, and then having to rinse it out and trying to keep it out of the garbage disposal. It's all just a mess. So I've moved back to, um, I have a simple Mr. Coffee. I just make it for myself. I have um, the smallest pot that they had at Target when I went to buy it. And um, I have two cups a day. And so I'm able to make the two cups and um, I don't know, it, it works out well for me that way, you know, cause you're still, um, you're going to measure out the water. I use um, a mug that I know, you know, I use the same mug every time to measure it. I fill it up to the top twice and dump it in my coffee pot and then make sure I'm lined up to pour it in the back where you're supposed to pour it. I've definitely had a couple of days or it's gotten away from me, but then it's just cold water to clean up from your counter. So that's not the biggest deal if you do mess. But I think those small coffee pots are nice and easy. And then you just dump away the, the, the filter. All right. I've heard of Mr. Clean. Don't, no, actually, I have heard of Mr. Coffee. But uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> you just. Well, I'm not a coffee drinker myself, but my husband is. And I have made him coffee, even though I don't even really like the smell. Um, <gasps> I'm sorry. I just I don't. I know. It's sacrilegious. I know. But we love her anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And anyway, despite that, I have made him coffee because, well, I love him. Um, but I've made instant coffee. I've made coffee with a um, two different t- styles of coffee pot um, and done it both with and without sight. Um, and, uh, well, we're going to discuss it properly from her with Herbie um, on that call, but it is doable and well Dorland just explained how to do it with the one where you got to tip the water in but the there's the other kind where you just fill the carafe with water put it under the um bit nozzle bit and put the coffee and filter in the top and then you just once it's done brewing you use that to pour it into your cup all right Um, now yep now, I'm going to give you a completely different option, actually. And um, Kayla, I hope you were actually listening to this, too, because I thought of you this morning and I forgot to say something. So um, I use a Keurig. Now, here's the thing with the Keurigs. 
first of all, in some respects, I liked my older one better because the buttons were easier. Um, but I do have a newer one now, and it can do lots of all sorts of things. First of all, the Keurig, I'm just going to be brief about this. The Keurig is a self-contained coffee pod machine. You put your pod in the machine, you press the correct buttons, and you put your cup underneath, and there you go. I love it because there's no mess. I was have always been terrible with those paper coffee filters and scooping the grounds into there, and I would make all sorts of messes in no, I would try and try to contain it as best I could. But even now, the few times I have to deal with a coffee pot when I'm on vacation, I will borrow a pair of eyes and the person attached to them and have them do it. That uh, because I do because what I was going to say, my husband got one of those and I could use it if I wanted to. He showed me how to, but I don't play with that. All right. But they do have various models of Keurig, and you have to know which ones to get because there are some that are touchscreen based. Those, like uh, Kayla was talking about this morning, those are not accessible, but they do have ones with physical buttons, and you just press the uh, button for the size cup you want, and you hit the start button, and away you go. Mm-hmm. And you can also, by the way, use it to make tea as well. You just don't put the coffee yes, pot in get, the machine. You can actually get um, pods for for those that are do, do tea and also hot chocolate. Yeah, I did know about the hot chocolate, and I'm not surprised about the tea. The other thing I've done, though, is I've uh, put the tea bag in the cup, ran the uh, hot water just straight through, and yes. uh, it warms that up. To, and what's nice about that is it gets it to a perfect temperature, actually. Well, Chanel says it's a little bit too hot. But um, yeah, those but are, it's also it tastes better than microwaving the water. Yes, much better. So um, I can, if you're interested, Callie, in the Keurig, let me know. And I will try to find out the exact model that I have. But um, mostly come to the call on the 18th of October and you can learn more about them all. Exactly. And by the way, Starbucks coffee is the best. Dunkin' isn't too bad either. I like them more for their donuts, but, uh, and you can get uh, Starbucks at least on the uh, app delivery services. I know Dunkin' is on, I think Dunkin' is too, but, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> but we're, we're encouraging you to do things for yourself. But I do understand uh, tiredness and convenience and all that too all right do we have anything before i've done my coffee even make my coffee and uh, the problem (laughs) is i need the energy to go make the coffee in the first place see this is a good thing about people like me who don't rely on coffee i can function first i know and we need you to make our coffee so that way we can function so that's the problem well i only make coffee for people i love so I see how it is. You know, I actually have a trick there. I make my coffee in my Mr. Coffee Pot. I get it set up the night before so that all I have to do is push the button when I wake up in the morning. And I did actually want to insert that when I went to the store, I was able to touch and feel which machines had buttons on them. So I didn't end up with a touchscreen. If you're ordering online or something, you might want to, you know, verify you're getting one with physical buttons first. Now, is your coffee, though, like beside your bed? Because my issue is the getting out of bed part. No, my guide dog drags me down that way because his food's down there, too. Oh, okay. So that's a, your motive. See, it's not. <laughs> it, it's convenient to put the get well, the Keurig so long as it's full of water. It's the getting out of bed part that is my issue. So. Oh, I know how, you, how to get you out of bed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My hungry Chanel, wifey. Yeah. 
There you go. Chanel um, can get you out of bed, and then you can make the coffee and make her breakfast. There you go. Exactly. Oh. Unfortunately, it goes in the order of me making the coffee and then her breakfast. But uh, um, we didn't yeah. talk about the responsibilities of being the sole cook in the family. That's a whole nother discussion. All right. That's a whole um, nother call. Shall we move on? Shall we move on? Well, first of all, Callie, I don't know if you're still with us, but did that answer your question? I muted her. Do you want me to bring her back? Well, if she has any additional comments, how about this? If you have any additional comments, Callie, um, raise your hand. Otherwise, come to the call, and you can also email acbcooks at... Uh, oh, no, I'm trying to blank on the at address. At gmail.com. At gmail.com, and that will... Uh, <laughs> The Courtney will forward to us, and we can also um, add some more specifics there, too. All right. Do we have anybody else? Um, let's zoom on over to Zoom real quick. Do we have anybody over here? Jill. Jill. Hello, Jill. Hello, Dorlin. It's Jill. Jill. It's good to hear you this morning. You as well. Um, you mentioned um, something earlier about how you did an elimination diet. And I think that's very interesting and can be very helpful for people to know more about like, was, did that help you really identify foods that for you were more um, sensitive to your, the insulin levels and um, I don't, I have RP, so it doesn't affect me personally, but I think, you know, that's just an important thing. If you could talk more about that for just for people with diabetes or other health, um, health concerns. So I was just curious of how that worked for you. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was very beneficial for me because I actually, at the time I was losing my sight, I was also dealing with gastroparesis, which is another complication of diabetes that deals with the gut. And so I was really trying to restart <laughs> my body and the elimination diet helped. And so anyone who's not familiar with that, it basically cut everything out. We started just, I mean, I feel like I was drinking chicken broth for meals for the first several days, maybe week, and started adding in like carrots and things that were le known to not be as, um, you know, inflammatory to the gut or whatever. There was a, I can't, I don't know whose method we followed. There was actually two she combined. And so we followed someone who'd set it out and added in foods. And that was able to let you know if you had different allergies or um, maybe an intolerance to it, it helped me really figure out what works for my system and what doesn't. And there was definitely some figuring out, you know, what affected my blood sugar in what way, because I was just paying so much attention to everything at that moment. And I think the reset helped, helped, even if I hadn't learned what didn't work, it was like my whole body was inflamed and needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like it, a it was reset button. Yeah, it was. And like, it was not fun. You know, when I first mm -hmm. went out there, I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, I have nothing anymore. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but over the next few weeks, and as you got to add things in, it was like, woo, yay, guys, we're adding in green beans today. <laughs> you know, it was, it was cool. And it, it really benefited me. And it took a few, a couple of months, but um, worth it. Do you remember like, what was the, the first 
level of foods like I guess the foods that cause the least amount of inflammation or um, like what were your safest early stuff that they say is good if you remember like is it is it greens or it was definitely a lot of vegetables um that got added in early because some of the things like you know eggs and dairy and stuff like that got added later um but if you want to look into something fodmap f-o-d-m-a-p is some Mm -hmm. acronym for like the different food groups and how they affect you and like onions and garlic are in one and that one I kind of found I had some problem with even though I love those things you know and so Mm -hmm. it introduced things that had similar I guess maybe chemical makeup or something um so it might be I don't remember enough now I'm sorry but yeah that's okay yeah yeah, well, cool. thank you for sharing that. I thought that that's interesting and I think uh, helpful for a lot of people to think about. Cool. I know there's a lot of information on diets like that online. Yeah, it can be a little overwhelming. I think I was pretty lucky that my sister had a plan for me, but definitely that elimination diet, it, it, it helped. All right. How about Clubhouse? Do we have anybody over there? Kelly is back. Kelly, welcome back. Hey, Herbie. Um, I have two things I want to ask about. Number one, how can I reach you or what's the email address you gave where I can find out the Keurig brand that you have with the buttons? That's the first thing. And then the second thing, Tori, I believe, is one who mentioned that microwaving the water is like, you know, that having kettle water is, I guess, gives a better tea taste than microwaving the water and i'm just trying to find out what techniques do you use because microwaving for me at this point is safer because like i'm comfortable pouring cool or cold liquids into a a glass or a mug because the worst case scenario i'll get cold stuff on my hands but with boiling hot water i'm just not comfortable pouring uh, pouring water from a kettle into a mug yet. So I'm just wondering if you have any tips or tricks about doing that safely. All right. So first of all, if you email acbcooks at gmail.com and uh, you can contact me through there, it is a distribution list for all the ACB cooks. And just make sure you address it to me in the message so that Courtney knows who to send it to and it'll get to me and I will contact you um, from will there. Will do. All right. Um, I can already uh, give you an answer for this. In fact, Tori even mentioned this earlier and uh, Tori would probably expand upon it. Liquid level indicators. Those, I think, yeah. may be your friend. That is actually kind of what I was going to say. The, the, the short I do answer. have a liquid level indicator. I do have that. But the first attempt I tried at making tea with it, it was a disaster. And well, it's frightened me because um, I did what they suggested where I put the cup in like the middle of like a pan and then tried pouring. And then the water just didn't make the cup at all. So okay, I kind of well, like stopped I'm going to be talking about this properly on the call. But um, basically, it, it is possible with the kettle to carefully, before you start pouring, line up the spout with the cup and then pour. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the, another thing is if you have milk in your tea, despite what people say, put your milk in first because you can measure that just with your fingers. Um, then you can use a liquid level indicator and pour slowly with, with your kettle. Do not try and do it quickly because if you do it quickly, then you're gonna it's it's not going in the cup. Okay. You know, another suggestion I have is I've seen these electric kettles and they're kind of they look like actual pitchers. And I should really find the brand of it. You know, but- I can find the brand of my electric kettle because I was going to say that's what I actually use is an electric kettle and the the spout on those instead of being like metal like a tea kettle you'd put on the stove it's plastic and so I can line it up with my fingers without it being hot and then once I'm lined up start pouring and then you know the liquid level indicator can do its work from there. Yeah, yeah, and I think you guys really notice. I'm sorry. Do you guys really notice a taste difference between microwaving versus kettle yes. water? Yes. Really? Okay. Okay. A resounding yes. Okay. Well, two out of three are saying yes, but two out of three ain't bad. That's what Meatloaf told us once. So. Well, and um, I don't have a microwave, so. Oh well, there you go. So See, doesn't know me. <laughs> I I try to use mine as little as possible. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, there is a difference. Yeah. The microwave. I don't like to use the microwave at all, except for things that either require it or if I really need to heat something up in a rush or some things don't do well in the oven, yeah, like pasta. Yeah, that's when I use mine. But, um, yeah. yes, it, there is a difference. And um, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but there but is. We, 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 will, we will talk more about the tea and coffee stuff, though. On okay, October. I'll be there on October 18th, okay? All <laughs> right. Thank you guys and very much. I'm the, going and to we be hope you'll be here for the other calls in between, too, because there's a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah, that, there's uh, lots of great stuff coming up. Learn, so. I'm sure I will. Thank you so much. I will mute. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Callie. And uh, we're, we're hoping you're here for the 18th call, because you inspired it. So, um, very good. Okay. Uh, do we have any more questions on either platform? Nope. Not in Zoom. And nope. Clubhouse. No raised hands. Nope. No raised hands. All right. So, okay. So why don't we um, kind of, uh, what else would you guys like to talk about? Like, um, you know, Dorland, for instance, I'm curious to hear from you. Okay. So you asserted yourself and uh, you started cooking by yourself. We've got 15 minutes left. So, you know, what, what was it like when, you know, did you end up teaching yourself more cooking techniques? Did you go through a training program? How did you uh, adapt further on? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of it was just at first, you know, the simple foods we were cooking, sharing and helping those with my uh, sister and brother-in-law. But then I moved back out to D.C., and um, was on my own again. Well, I had a roommate, but, you know, in terms of cooking, I was back doing things for myself. Um, And at that point, I actually was watching a lot of the Food Network. And so it's getting a lot of info from there. Not so much doing those techniques, but definitely enjoyed, um, you know, just I was getting interested more in cooking and stuff and realizing, oh, I can adapt uh, lots of these things. Um, I'd been so used to relying on site. Um, but like realized there were just a few things that I needed to do different 
but essentially it was going to be the same experience. You know, I needed to pay more attention, especially when I was handling knives or hot things, things that I used to be able to kind of take for granted as I was doing things or multitask more, had to slow down some. Um, But most of my learning was on my own. I actually tried to join one of the adjusting to blindness classes around here that did the cooking skills and cleaning and stuff like that, but was told by my counselor that I'd learned too many of the skills on my own. And so I wasn't um, eligible for one of those. So I guess in a way that was good. (laughs) It's a good, Um, bad thing, double-edged sword type of situation there. mm -hmm. It is. Yes. And Tori... I learned most of mine on my own as well. I'm going to say most because I did have the slight edge of having a brother who'd been blind since, well, basically since birth because he was very low vision as a baby and then lost his sight as a two-year-old. And so I got a couple of tips from him. But beyond that, I just figured it out by myself and just adapted what I knew. Um, I did get a couple of tools uh, some of which I still use because it does make things easier, but others I don't. Like I've got this thing that he got me that's um, designed to help make it easier for chopping stuff up and um, without having to use knives, which I did use it a lot at first, but honestly, I no longer use it. Now that I've gotten a bit more comfortable with using a knife, I don't bother with it. Um, but then things like um, he got me a cheese grater so that I could um, like, great cheese or carrots or whatever without catching my knuckles Um, but I still use that because I think it's a really neat thing you basically put it in and just turn a handle and it does the work for you and that's just a labor-saving device in my opinion Um, but um, basically I just adapted what I'd learned in the past to what I could do now and gradually increase the skills starting with basic stuff like um, you know just cutting up some stuff for a salad or a sandwich or something and then expanding from there Mm -hmm. very good all Um, right and um, so then Dorlan yeah you talked about having you relied on your site so I think then you had to learn things like measuring and uh, things like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that was back to like getting used to using my hands again. Definitely. If I was baking and measuring out some flour before I would have probably used a knife to make a flat edge along there. And now I'm just like, Oh, my index finger works perfectly. Um, and definitely measuring out, um, Liquid things is something that uh, I think took a little bit more getting used to. I think I, with all of this, I just had to let the, you know, my need for perfection go. I was like, everything can be a little bit messier if it needs to be, or I can do it a different way, however that needs to be, as long as I'm getting the job done and doing it safely. Mm-hmm. So is there any, um, what words of wisdom do you have for other people in your guys' situation that are either losing or have lost their sight? Is there anything you suggest you know, either of you that might to uh, help them, you know, have an easier time or anything like that? Yeah, actually. Um, basically, be patient with yourself. Remember that everybody learns the skills at different paces. 
and remember, as Dorland said, you have to let your need for perfection go out the window. Um, it's not going to be necessarily perfect, especially not at first. And anyway, there's no such thing as perfect. Um, and just because you do it the one way and it's not how people recommend you do it doesn't mean it's the wrong way. If it works for you, then it's clearly the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I think also just just get in there and do it. Don't be afraid of the the kitchen or the tasks. Like, don't let it you know, work it itself up to be this big thing, just get in there and do it. And I, I found that, you know, it, it goes a little smoother than you think. I definitely, you know, I make sure that I not just jump in and start doing it. You know, I get in the kitchen and say, okay, I need these things. I need these ingredients. I need these utensils, set everything out. So I'm not like halfway through making something and I have to scramble to find something that I didn't set out. Cause you know, when you're looking for something in a rush, it's harder to find. And, and you're um, more likely to have accidents. And yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, maybe burn something or if you need something that's time sensitive as you're cooking, it's just best to have it all laid out. You can't, you know, just, fly by the seat of your pants as much maybe but but really to just get in there and, and do it and then it's so rewarding too because you get to eat whatever you've cooked <laughs> yep and also yep. if you and if you um, are new to doing it then start small start with simple stuff and as you gain your confidence then start doing more complicated stuff Mm-hmm. yep all right, very good. Uh, do we have any questions? Uh, let's start over in Zoom. Do we have anybody? Yes, we have Heidi. Heidi, all right. Hi, Heidi. Hello. Um, one of the things, because I actually have been um, more or less um, blind since I was 14, so it's been about 24 years. Um, my biggest thing was don't don't be afraid to experiment like if you're making toast and you want peanut butter on your toast well if you get some on your hands well there's always after you're done with the knife you know clean your finger you know yep. it's it's just don't be afraid to get messy don't be afraid to experiment and you know yeah be patient with yourself because i actually have been in my new place for five years. I have a new stove and I still do not cook as much as I want to. And, you know, I think that's a very important thing about the making messes because I know sighted people are scared of such things and uh, no disrespect to sighted people, but I think you guys are. Um, <clears throat> anyway. It's true. They, they, they chase you with cloths. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, but it's, it's really not, that's scary, guys. It really isn't. So um, I'd say even if you haven't lost your sight yet, practice getting messy now, and uh, you might find that you'll have a much uh, more of a stress-free life, my, in my opinion. But mm. uh, I mean, you Remember still know how to clean yourself up, obviously. You were a child, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, with those messes to get messy, but one thing I've found as I'm cooking, you can also clean up your messes in between. It's not like you have to clean everything at the end of it. Like if I'm baking and I've done a bunch of stuff, I might set what I've mixed up together on a side so that I can clean up before I go to do my next thing. Just so I know I've gotten anything I might've splattered here or flour there, whatever is cleaned up and I'm clean and ready for the next step. So that I'm not, yeah. you know, so that my, 
anxiety about the mess is a little bit uh, lessened in that moment. And the mess is a bit less daunting. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have less mess at the end too, which is nice. Yep. Definitely. All right. Clubhouse. Have we got anybody? Uh, Well, something happened to my phone here. Oh, Uh there we go. Okay. I didn't last time I checked. No, no one does. All right. So is there anything in the brief time we have left you guys would like to talk about that uh, we have not covered so far? There is somebody in Zoom to let you Oh, guys. we do have somebody in Zoom? All right. Yeah. Um, Hannah. Hannah, welcome. Hi, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. Hi. Thank you for such a wonderful presentation. And I was just going to share one thing that's worked for me is when I'm at the table, at the kitchen table, eating or even doing something, making a sandwich, I put all my stuff, my plate, my cup, everything on like a plastic um, spray like you'd see in like a fast food restaurant. We bought some of those on Amazon. To me, that helps a lot because you spill something, it goes on the tray, you can carry the tray to the sink, wash it all down the drain. That's one of the reasons I have worktop savers. It, it does two things. It, one, it means that you don't have to try and find somewhere safe to put your pot down if it's hot. And two, if you make a mess, you just pick up the worktop saver, take it to the sink, and wash it. Yeah, that's probably better. Than the, that's a lot better than the tray. The tray, you got to still put a trivet down so the tray doesn't get too hot and warp. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good, Hannah. Thank you. All right. Anybody else on either platform? Nope. No one in Clubhouse. And no Zoom? one in Zoom. All right. So then but my previous question, guys, anything else that we did not cover that uh, you would like to mention? Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Tori, did you have any other? Well, I can't really think of anything. I think we covered the main things really didn't I think um one thing I have here that I didn't talk about specifically but I think kind of when we were talking about being you know maybe not like excited people watching us cook I think for me I really um I had to initially not just to the friends and family around me reprove but also to myself you know show myself that I could do it again. And that's, that's where you just have to get in the kitchen and doing it. Cause as you do it, you realize, Oh, I can do this. Then I can probably do that too. And as you make a mess, you learn from your mistakes. You know, I made uh, a steeped broth once and I tried to strain it and I actually strained it into a second strainer and it went all over my kitchen, you know, and Oops. I've never done that again. So it's like you, you live and you learn. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. The other thing is that even if you just have a small achievement, just like you've gone from not doing anything for yourself to you made yourself a cup of tea, be proud of yourself for that achievement. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I was just taking a sneak peek at uh, Clubhouse here to see all who we had in there. So uh, welcome to all you guys. I saw Anna, Monica, and a couple of you there. So uh, hope you all are enjoying this presentation. So uh, 
There you go. All right, guys. Well, that was uh, great. Next week, Kayla, who we determined is just a goddess, not an evil goddess, is going to uh, come down and talk to us mortals on how to make homemade hamburger buns. So that's going to be super exciting. Food of the gods. Yep. And then the following week, we are going to have Heidi, who is going to be showing us how to make mushroom burgers, which can go in those hamburger buns, and for dessert, strawberry cloud pie. And um, you do not want to be flying by the seat of your pants for that one for two reasons. One, they don't have wings. Two, what happens if you lose your pants? That could be a problem. Um, You'll really come crashing down. Moving on, Herbie. (laughs) <laughs> I know. But uh, the following week, corn uh, crispy chocolate chip cookies. This will be an interesting chocolate one. Chocolate chip crunch cookies. Get chocolate right. chip crunch cookies. Fine. In England, in the UK, they should call, I thought they called them biscuits. No. But I guess if they're homemade, are they, do you guys say you make homemade biscuits? If you make cookies? Sometimes. Okay. Interesting. Um... But if so, they're chocolate chip ones, they're called cookies. So they're automatically cookies if they've got chocolate chips. I don't right. know why. I do not know why, but they are. Probably. Well, because you have the chocolate biscuits, which are, you know, digestives with chocolate on them. And they're yeah, really but the, the, the chocolate chip cookies, they're listed as chocolate chip cookies on everything. So Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we've got to run. We're out of time. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Brad. You did an awesome job. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Diane. You both did awesome as well. Dorlin, Tori, thank you both very much. Uh, you guys were awesome today. And we will see you next week. And, on and that thank note, you, Herbie. All right. Thanks, Thanks Herbie. Herbie.